Hey everybody, welcome to another week of Almighty Podcast. This week we've got, obviously myself, Adam from the Back Patio Network, and we've got... Uh, the mainstay, or one of the other two regular hosts, uh, Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com, and we are joined by a third this week, a special guest. Yeah, the special guest, the limelight of the Back Patio Network, the, the real breadwinner, uh, Miss Hannah Sims. Hello, howdy-do, everyone. <laughs> and this week, we are going to be covering something a little different. We decided to watch the most recent My Hero Academia movie instead of just transitioning straight into season three. So that's what you're going to hear us talk about. And normally, uh, Atkins and I come up with like a pretty detailed show notes list. But this time, I feel like we're just going to have a pretty easygoing conversation and discuss some of the stuff we saw in the movie and just kind of talk about it in general. I think we can make this format work for us, but I'm sure that the uh, audience is also curious to know what it is that qualifies Miss Hannah to join us in this conversation. What's her experience with My Hero Academia in general? Oh, I've been tagging along with uh, with Adam here as he's been watching for the most part. Um, so I've kind of been his, his little sidekick in his anime watching quest. Yeah, it's been fun. She's been, uh, I think, I think she started watching after you and I had watched about six or seven episodes and I was like, Hannah, you've got to watch this with me. And so she, she started watching along and I think I've mentioned her a couple of times in the the podcast. So finally figured, uh, we'd bring her out of the house. I so- think I decided that, uh, the moment I saw Midoriya clinging to All Might's leg and his, you know, <laughs> lips and gums flapping in the, in the wind. Yeah. That's yeah, when yeah. I was a fan. That was it. That was my moment. <laughs> How much anime exposure and experience have you had, Hannah? Oh Lord! Oh, those were my middle school days. <laughs> okay, good. So you're not you're not yeah. like totally fresh eyes on this medium for the first time. Right, right. I, I'm kind of reformed, you know, as an adult. But <laughs> like, was it your... was pretty easy to slip back right into it. <laughs> what was your uh, old school favorite anime, Hannah? Just so the audience knows. Oh gosh, uh, so that they can judge you appropriately. <laughs> oh God! Oh, don't be judging me. Um, I liked Sailor Moon and a few other things, you know. But that was my first. That was that was probably sixth grade. I would get up every morning and watch Sailor Moon while eating my breakfast. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. We're familiar with Sailor Moon for sure. Yeah, and Dragon Ball Z. You know, that a girl. Yeah. <laughs> We're totally getting judged for that, but it's just it is what it is. That's okay. Those people just can't admit that Dragon Ball Z is the best. Oh, anime out there. really? It's my favorite. No, you got some. You got some like non fans in the audience. There? I mean, likely, yeah. DBZ ca- uh, catches some flack in the anime community for sure. Oh, I mean, but it's pre- so much fun. It is. It is. It's ridiculous <laughs> fun. Listen, nobody's trying to argue that it's like literarily a, a masterwork or anything like that. Oh, it's God. just fun to watch. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, what's a TV show if it's not fun to watch, right? Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, it's if just, you can't enjoy <laughs> watching a grown man scream for 15, 20 seconds at a time, what what are you? Are you breathing? Exactly. <laughs> yes, screaming, rippling muscles, bad hair. I That's love right. it. <laughs> you really just described the three best things about My Hero Academia. <laughs> <laughs> she has she has been watching the show. It shows. Yeah. She has. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and just jump into this episode. Uh, w- this takes place. Do we know, like, I guess I haven't done a whole lot of research into season three. Is this movie considered canon at all? Like, I know with Dragon Ball Z stuff, there's a buttload of movies and none of them are actually canon canon, except for the most recent two. So are we walking into this assuming that season three is affected by this movie? Uh, my, my guess is it is at least canon adjacent because they do... Uh, they they try really hard to tie it into what we know happened in season two. Like they don't they don't try to pretend like that stuff doesn't happen. They go out of their way to place it verbally. Like oh, this is when this took place. You know, um, 
but I don't nec- I don't know until we start watching. This is uh, again, this will be that thing where like we start watching season three and we're just like, oh, there you know, f- in five seconds in the first episode of season three, this will be a question that probably gets answered for us because it happens a lot. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if it informs or changes or is carried over or anything like that, but it certainly. Um, is not shy about the fact that it is built on the shoulders of what we know to have taken place in season two. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's right off the bat, they pick up with, it's kind of awesome. The beginning of the movie is actually a big dream sequence. Like at first you think it might be a flashback or maybe let's just go back in time, but it's actually all might in California with his buddy, David. Um, and (laughs) and just that name kills me for some reason. It's so funny to have all of these, my hero names and then David, right? Uh, but he's hanging out with this guy named David who looks to be his sidekick. And I think that he was in, uh, it wasn't San Francisco, was it? Uh, I no, I think it, I think it was. Was it San Francisco? Yeah, I saw something about the airport. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. So he's in California on uh, basically an exchange trip. And he's hanging out with David and they're rescuing, you know, citizens from everyday villains. In Dave's awesome. giant robot car. Right. <laughs> It's a very cool car. Yeah, there's like a yes. there's a villain that's riding like a six arm giant monster thingy, and he's got ten million dollars in cash. And then the police response to this is incredible because he like busts out of the building, and like half a block later, there are thirty police cars. And I'm like, holy crap! I wish the real world police response was like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I also love the fact that, like, the way that they draw All Might in this sequence, he is just majestic in every way. Yeah. Like, he, he looks so different. Every, like, the animation style for this movie was just a little different. It totally threw me off, because I was really disgruntled at the beginning until it was, like, shown to be a dream sequence, because I was like, I mean, it's, it looks good, but it doesn't look right. And I, it, I was struggling. I was like, it's got to just be because he's young and this is a flashback. Um, but for the first like two or three minutes, I was like, uh, please don't say that this is how this whole movie looks. <laughs> yeah. it, it was just off enough that I was like, ah, something's not, no, there's an explanation for this somewhere. You, you know, know what? I really think, though, that it was his eyes. That's what I was going to yes. say. All Might's big goo goo baby eyes. I think that's how they made him young. <laughs> yeah, they made him like they de ageified him using his eyes. Because in the current series, his eyes are black with the like blue dots in the middle. And then in the flashback, they're just normal eyes. It totally threw me off. If not large. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you uh, did you guys catch that uh, David's car? And by the way, I did no research on what David's name means. I mean, we do that for most of the characters. I just let David slide. Um, I would hope so. <laughs> but yeah. inside of the car, when they're chasing after the six-armed weird monster thingy with the villain riding on his back, the radar just says large villain. Like it, <laughs> That's all it says. Like, like that's <laughs> all I could identify it as. Yeah, it just says large villain on there. That made me laugh for some reason. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, after All Might wakes up from this dream sequence, he is actually on a plane, and they're headed to a place named Eye Island, and it's him and Midoriya, and I guess they're going to something called the Eye Expo. It sounds like an Apple experiment gone wrong, really. I really, I have strong feelings about the name of this island. I dislike it. Yeah, it just seems really plain and kind of like, eh. Yeah. It yeah. just, it felt like, especially later on when the um, when the security system is talking, Every time that it said I Island, it sounded like it was stuttering or like there was a glitch in the system because it'd be like the security forces of I Island. And I was just like, ah, this is a terrible name. It's yeah. a terrible well, name. We might as well go ahead and, and preface this episode by saying that Hannah and I actually watched the Japanese version and this time you watched the English version. I did. So we got to switch it up a little bit. So Yeah. So you subtitled it was still I 
hyphen it, island like it the was letter I. yeah Okay. But they didn't have the issue of like making it sound like they were stuttering, uh, oh. just because I think it's just pronounced so differently in Japanese. Yeah, it totally. It, it was a stutter and it was detracting, and I disliked it the whole time. I would imagine so. It's kind of great. It's being explained by All Might that this island is basically this revolving island. Like I guess it doesn't have a stationary spot on the world, so that way villains can't find it because it's full of scientists and like quirk re- uh, research and all kinds of neat things to help heroes out. Yeah, it's in like fact, a, I think they make a point of saying that the villains have actually never attacked this island before, which seems crazy to me. Like, yeah, even if it's even if it is a mobile island with fancy gadgetry and stuff, like it that it's never been targeted at all. Like it, I, I, I might have been like more. It'd have been more reasonable for them to say villains have tried but have never succeeded. Because why wouldn't the yes. villains target down a, an island of floating geniuses who want to make the heroes better? Or kidnap them or something. I yeah. mean, you know. <laughs> and I mean, it doesn't seem like this is a well-kept secret either. Because the moment that we show up, I mean, I'm skipping ahead a little. But the moment they show up on the island, literally everyone else is there too. So it doesn't seem like this is that big of a like secret in the world of My Hero yeah. Academia. I mean, surely the villains know about it. And at place. that point, it's not even opening day. It's like the pre-opening or yeah. something. Aren't they having like a, you know. Like a festival. Like a yeah, pre-festival yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's all, it's it's an intro, I mean, I like the concept, I think that it's really neat that they put all these super geniuses together, and I really like the the emphasis that iIsland, and just just that as a concept, it puts on support devices, because so far in the in the anime proper, the, the shining moment that support items have really had was when um, the one character in the, in the festival, yeah, Hatsume, when she was showing off her items, and they're such a big part of the hero world, but they get they're they're underemphasized, underutilized a little bit. Um, I mean, well, you I mean, see them as part of uh, costumes and stuff, but in this in this show or in this movie, rather, they're a huge deal, and I really liked that. I liked seeing them get you know their time in the limelight again. Yeah, I did too, and I would reason that the the probably the biggest reason we don't see them in the show that much is because Class One A doesn't need some of those items. True. So and they the reason we get to see them in this show is because they're coming from an external source. Like it's not like the schools handing them out. It it's more like this is just part of everyday life on the island. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I like that we get to see more gadgetry. Yeah, I and too. more nerds. Yeah, it's I mean it's kind <laughs> of a bummer we don't get to see many of the devices actually in play. I mean, arguably only two of them. I mean, the the little gauntlet that Midoriya gets and then the little quirk amplifier thing are the only two things that I can recall having like seen. And there are a couple things that Melissa, who we're about to meet um, in just a second, who she like pays lip service to like, ooh, this is a suit that does that. No, this is a vehicle that does that. But uh, even still, inside of a movie where support items are like a huge set piece, um, even then they still don't, I'd like to, I want to see some of this stuff do stuff. You know, I'm, I'm just so I'm like, Oh, I want to see him. I want to see that used. <laughs> like when she's yeah. talking about things, I'm like, Ooh, show me. Don't tell me, show me. Right. <laughs> well, speaking of Melissa, this is the perfect time to introduce her. Uh, we find out that the whole reason all might is showing up to the I Island with Midoriya is simply to go see an old friend. He's actually surprising an old friend and they run into his old friend's daughter first. And it's Melissa who is obviously David's daughter, uh, from the dream sequence. Now, you know, you're talking about items. I felt like she pulled out a pretty cool item. She's got this like pogo stick. Yeah. And she's like bouncing around on it. She talks to them for a few minutes and then she like whips it and it turns into like a whip and then disappears in her pocket. 
Yeah, it reminded me of those like snap bracelets. That's kind of what it looked like, that material, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's I was thinking it reminded me of. It was very Capsule Corp reminiscent. Like it reminded me of Bulma's items. Yeah, they yeah. Did. That they could just shrink down to some tiny, more easily carried form where she didn't have to. I mean, and I mean, why a poco stick? Seriously? I mean, if. <laughs> who, who uses a poco stick? Who's like, I'm going to use my genius intellect to come up with a fancy ass pogo stick? Who Let alone that? a 17-year-old genius yeah. girl. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I know, seem- listen, I know plenty of 17-year-olds. None of them have pogo sticks. None of them probably could, like, have ever said they've seen a pogo stick, let alone. <laughs> I was going to say, I haven't seen a pogo stick in, like, a decade. I don't, yeah. Are they even still a toy that people play with? Maybe in Japan they are, and this is just a cultural <laughs> branch for, for But on top of that, pogo sticks don't have the best, like, speed per hour. I mean, you're not getting around anywhere anytime soon on a pogo stick. They're also difficult yeah. as hell. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But maybe she's got some sort of like awesome, futuristic, equal, equalized, I don't know, something that makes it to where it goes really fast. It's equalized. like a scooter, but like... Equalized. <laughs> add, that yeah. to the, uh, add that to the list, Celis. I think it was you that was keeping track of those things. I think I meant <sighs> like it's a... Uh, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I, I don't either. <laughs> I, I, I have no excuse for that one. Equilibrium, it uses yeah, maybe gyroscopic it's, it's, technology to keep it up. That's what I'm looking such. for. See, I knew I was going to get there eventually. You tried. I just needed some friends to help me along. <laughs> It's the whole. That's the whole point of my hero making friends. You oh know? my god! <laughs> hey, uh, I, there's a quick scene like right after Melissa and All Might and Deku all meet, where you get a shot of the bad guy, and, and it's just like just a part of his face when he's like talking in the shadows, and he's like, "We're here," you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just have in my notes. I want to read this verbatim because I'm pretty sure Adam will appreciate it, and so too will our listeners. Uh, it's, it just says, "Bad guy has a scar," because of course he does. And then in parentheses, <laughs> I said. This creates an opening for Adam to comment that Nezu also has a scar. Yeah. <laughs> but so does Aizawa, and we know he's not evil, so... <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Did you happen to see, shortly after this, there... Well, okay, so shortly after this, we're being given a tour of the island by Melissa, and I, I just want to mention this real quick. We see a monster hero in the background named Godzilla. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And How he's like waving. That? Isn't he wearing like a trench coat or something? Yes. Like he's just... <laughs> He's yes. hanging out. <laughs> it's Godzilla with a trench coat. I thought that was awesome. He's he's incognito, Hannah. You you've seen the Ninja Turtles. You know that's how reptiles roll in public. Raphael with the trench coat and yeah. the bowler hat. Yeah, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Listen, it, it works for reptiles of all kinds. Apparently, he totally mm-hmm. blends in. <laughs> I would hate to see how that transformation, like how he got his quirk. You know, can you imagine? I mean, we've talked on the episode before about how awful it would be to have like Endeavor's quirk, and you wake up and your house is on fire. But imagine waking up and being Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, like that's gotta suck. You know what's really funny? Um, I'm I, I just read the first school briefs novel for the My Hero stuff, and inside we were just talking about this. I think in the last one or two episodes that we recorded, and. Uh, that idea of your the onset of a quirk. And there's a scene inside of that uh, book where a young girl has her quirk onset in public and it like creates a scene and all kind of stuff. And it was really cool. I was like, man, we were just talking about that. And it totally like, it's it's in canon because Horikoshi has like outlined the stories. He doesn't write these books, but he's, resp- he's like the creative mind behind a lot of it. Um, and so he took the time to show a scene where like, Hey, this girl's quirk just came on upon her suddenly, and this is what it did. And it was, you know, it was traumatic. And I was like, man, that's cool. We were just talking about that. So we were right. That is cool. Yeah. I'm, at least we were right about something for once. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, we're going to keep going in the movie. We've got uh, All Might ends up rejoining David, his old friend from California. And I do have a note here. I don't know what he said in the English version. Oh, this oh, yeah. is, let me just preface I this. this. I got this down too. Go ahead. This is my second favorite moment in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so All Might runs in and he like grabs his old friend David and he just says he's shaking with emotion. Yeah. <laughs> From their reunion. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that killed me. I'm like, this is great. That's what they say. It is It is direct then into the English because he just says, I am here shaking with emotion for our heartfelt reunion. Yep. That's perfect. See, now I love, I you know, I, I really enjoyed watching the, the Japanese version, but I'm used to the English version at this point. And I really love All Might's goofy you know, I am here English voice. Yeah, so yeah. I'm kind of really sad that I missed that moment in English. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's great. We we talk a lot about how great Sabat at, uh, Sabat is at voicing All Might in English. Yes. Yeah, yes. Sabat's got to be, to this day, one of my favorite voice actors. In fact, my new ringtone, thanks to Coder Mike, who is a follower in our Discord, is the uh, I am here, or a phone call is here. Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> a phone call is here. Yep, I love that. That's beautiful. <laughs> uh, but we're introduced to All Might's old friend, David Shield, who is, I guess he is the lead top scientist in Quirk Research, and it turns out that he actually is the guy that built all of All Might's costumes, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, and I particularly like the Bronze Age one. Uh, the yeah. like, black and red one, I was like, man, we need to bring that Bronze Age look back. It was sick looking. Yeah, I really liked it too. I think Midoriya would agree with you. He was he seemed like he was screaming cool about, about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I also wonder if his time in California is where he named all of his moves. Like, because we've got like Detroit Smash and Carolina Smash, and, you know, like all these different smashes <laughs> that are just different states. Yeah. And I, or just different places in states. And I always wondered kind of like, why would he have pulled that? I didn't realize he had spent time in the U.S. So that's kind of interesting. Didn't he say in that little dream sequence, like at one point, didn't he tell David, I named this one after you and it was California Smash. So maybe yeah. his naming convention is like, he meets people from different cities or states and he's like, I'm going to name a move after them where they live smash that's just his naming convention for things <laughs> i like it that's awesome that, that maybe that is what it is so yeah david is a top scientist a nobel quirk prize which i like that as like a thing in that world that they have a nobel prize for quirk studies i think that's pretty cool um and when we first see him he's i have this note in here that I was like, man, that is super weird because it, it says this professor doesn't know that All Might is coming because we've been told that it's a surprise. But he's when we first see him like in his aged state, you know, not in the dream, he's just coincidentally looking at a picture of All Might on his phone, just staring at it longingly. And I was like, man, that is super weird. Is this just what he does? Um, <laughs> <laughs> just sitting around waiting on All Might all yeah, the time. Yeah, it does make more sense as the movie progresses, particularly when we get to the twist at the end. And I was like, oh, that's why he was doing that. But at first I was like, what? That is bizarre. I, I don't look at people on my phone ever. Like just stare at them longingly in the dark by myself. Who does that? I'm really glad you don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought it was really awesome, too, because during the scene, we've got Melissa and Midoriya and David and All Might. And there's also like David's assistant. Uh, I don't, Sam. Sam. That's right. Sam. That's his name. Sam and Dave. So uh, All Might coughs and David kind of realizes like, oh, I bet this is what All Might's talking about, you know. And uh, so he sends everybody away. Like he tells Melissa, his daughter, like, oh, will you go show Midoriya around? And he just tells Sam to like. Just go away. Like, I don't even remember what no, he gave No, he tells some... him, he basically tells him to go to bed. He's like, is Sam, you need to go rest. Yeah, he does. <laughs> it was some goofy reason. And, and then they kind of get into the the business and, you know, All Might's explaining kind of what happened to him. And I guess he's been emailing David explaining like, yeah, I've got these injuries and whatnot. Uh, so he's at least aware of the fact that All Might's been injured. Yes. And, uh, well, yeah, he's he's very keenly aware of it. I mean, I think that's right. kind of by the the... 
his motivation for all things in this movie. True, true. Uh, and then we kind of transition away from that, and we've got some great scenes that lead... Like, the first 15 minutes of this movie was a lot of fun for me in general. Uh, we've got Melissa leading Midoriya around, and she takes him to a place called the Pavilion, and this is, a like, a specific expo on I Island that... It, it seems like it stores all of the brand new tech. So stuff that's not even released for public consumption yet. Yeah, it's like a... Yeah, it's like... It's not a museum... It's like a, it's like Gen Con where it's like a, here are these new soon to be released board games. And yeah. Or yeah, kind of like, like E3 for video games. Like yeah, a showroom yeah. kind of thing. Showroom. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm also, I love this scene too, because Midoriya and Melissa are hanging out and they're kind of talking over some new tech and all of a sudden a bunch of girls from 1A show up. And from what it seems like, it seemed like a Chaco thought that Midoriya was on a date with Melissa and he's trying to cover it up like, oh no, we're just friends. We're totally just friends here. <laughs> yeah, she seemed pretty intimidated by Melissa, for sure. Definitely, definitely. And Momo and Jiro are with them, too. And this is this begins like a sequence. I'm still not sure if I like it. Um, because I was like, oh, okay, a couple of the students are here. But then it turns out that literally all of the students are here. And I was just yeah. like, all right, all right. Get, we're just reaching at straws and trying to figure out how to bring everybody to this super secret island. Um, right. So well, that it, part felt weird. It seems like some of the students are justified for being there. Like, yeah. I kind of get why a handful of them are there, but they make an effort to show everybody from 1A being there without having included everybody throughout the entire movie. Yeah. So you get scenes where I think it's uh, Tokoyami and the Sugar Rush guy. I can't remember his his name at the moment. That's Sato. Sato is that? Yeah. So you've got scenes yeah, with like, Tokoyami so. and Sato, and they're just there, like in a hotel room together. Like, the, it seems like they're just hanging out, but yeah. they're not part of the movie, really. Yeah. And then a group of the girls, too, I think. Yeah, there was a handful of the girls. Uh, Ashido was one of them, I think. Uh, there were a couple of other that they were just there in the background, but, like, they yeah. they're, don't have any real meaningful parts to the movie. And yeah. that... I have weird. to I have to say it like I have a bone to pick with that because it gave me false hope that my favorite character, Froppy, would be in the movie. But I was let down. Yeah, because Sue's in the background, too, and she's yeah. not even in the movie other than this brief appearance. Yeah, it just felt weird that it was just like, oh, they have these, you know, this week of vacation, and they all go to the same place, and they're all surprised. That, like, how did this not come up in conversation? And I don't know, just yeah. a lot of them did feel shoehorned in. It was fun to see everybody. I mean, it's it's like weird. It's like nostalgic a little bit, where it's just like, oh, hey, there's that person. Um but, you know, I was just like, man, it's okay. It, it would it have been fine if just the six people that it focused on were there and everybody else was off doing their own vacation-y things. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, just to give you guys a quick breakdown kind of of why certain people were there, uh, Mineta and Kaminari are there because they were being, like, their servers at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And Ida was there because he's the only person from his family that's not busy. Uh, Kirishima and Bakugo are there competing in like a robot killing competition. Momo's there because she's rich. Momo's there because she's rich. <laughs> and then she had some spare tickets. So she brought along, uh, she brought along, uh, Ochako. Ochako and Jiro, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but like all of the other females didn't get to come because they drew sticks pretty much. Or I think it was rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. The rock, yep. paper, scissors scene was actually great because I love that Hagakuri is shown to have had to hold signs. Yeah. I like that too. I was, I was like, that's but, a really, that's a really nice touch. I like the it. thing I didn't laugh. like about it, though, was that <laughs> she had drawn her, I think she chose paper, or maybe it was scissors, but she had drawn it on both sides. So I'm like, <laughs> how, did, how did they not know what she was going to choose? I think you they know? had three different <laughs> signs. Yeah, I don't know how that she couldn't like hide them behind her back, so I don't, I'm not sure. But yeah, she ended up losing out. I just, liked that it, I just thought that it was funny that uh, they yeah. had her holding signs. I was like, that makes sense. 
It was kind of funny. Uh, and I, I will say, I did like the scene where they introduced Bakugo and Kirishima because they're basically in this weird, like, kind of like islandy relay area where they've got to kill a bunch of robots and get to the top real quick. And whoever does it the fastest wins. And Midoriya kind of wants to try it, but Bakugo's kind of being his normal jerk and, like, yeah, you know, I'm going to be the best. Midoriya jumps in and immediately decimates everything and is just one second slower. Yep. And then Todoroki goes in and then finishes it in like two seconds. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think he had 14. On the Japanese version, he he had finished in 14 seconds. Bakugo had 15, and Midoriya had 16. Yeah. 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 And then this is where Bakugo calls him an icy hot bastard, which might be my new favorite, uh, you know, uh, insult thrown at Todoroki. <laughs> icy <great>. hot <laughs> bastard, yeah. I think they called him an icy hot half-breed, is what he kept calling him. Yeah. Uh, I He's also a, think it wasn't... Um, and I took, like, very quick notes here, because I knew we weren't going to spend a bunch of time on it, but... Um, Bakugo is like, yeah, I'm here. They they feel like Pokemon. They feel like they're on display for battling this thing out, right? Um, and, and then like Bakugo is here doing this thing, and then Kirishima's like, yeah, I'm with him, as if he's like Bakugo's plus one somehow, um, right? Yes, and, yeah, which is really funny because like the internet is a weird place, especially I mean with all things, but my hero doesn't escape that, and th- those two get shipped, you know, like relationshiped all the time, and I was like, <laughs> this movie is not doing that that culture any favors i mean it's just <laughs> no, feeding it's right not. into that oh, yeah, it totally no. <laughs> they, and it is weird they seem like really good friends remember they studied together for the final yeah they're sharing a room and everything and i was like oh boy here it comes <laughs> yeah and i like the fact that uh we we see this later on in the future there's a moment where Ida's trying to get everybody together to go to like the big gala and baka goes like hell no i'm not going to that i didn't even bring nice clothes to wear and kirishima's like i got you buddy don't worry yeah, and he yeah. brought like a suit like how did he know his sizes and everything you know they're they're similarly sized right i guess i mean the only difference between them according to bakugo is that kirishima has stupid hair yeah yeah according to bakugo who also has I like the censored version <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like i also like that little scene too like uh, after all all four of those guys end up participating in this little competition that they all start getting really mad at one another. And so, like, it's like a benches clear moment. And um, class rep Ida, in true form, like, steps in and starts trying to defend the school's honor and tells them that they need to be better representatives of UA and stuff like that. And it's, it's just great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was fun. Uh, and, and shortly after all of this, we get a quick scene where the bad guys are complaining that All Might is on the island. And then it transitions real back to everyone else. Uh, I mean, it, they're they're kind of seeding this idea that there are people on the island that shouldn't be there, specifically villains. Uh, and we get this great scene between uh, David and All Might, and it's kind of neat. They've got him in some sort of chamber where they're running like all kinds of tests on him. It, it reminded me of the uh, healing chambers from Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, yeah, the hyperbolic or not hyperbolic. I don't know what they're called because yeah, the, the hyperbolic time chamber is the time chamber. It's yeah. where they go to train. Yeah. Uh, but this is just like those weird healing Saiyan pods. It was yeah. also very like Star Wars, you know, the thing that Luke Skywalker's in. Yeah, like up. a Bactapod. Is that what it I is? I think that's called a Bactapod. <laughs> <yeah>. Nerd. Nerd. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, but we get the scene where, you know, David is explaining that All Might's powers have dropped like significantly. And they popped up a quick chart. I didn't get the numbers, but I mean, it was like a direct vertical line as compared to where I guess last time he had done some sort of test on him or something. Like it seemed like he had statistics to compare to, but I don't know what from. Yeah, I don't know either, but he's kind of voicing over the, all of this data and he says at this rate, whatever that the numbers for that rate are displayed on this graph, uh, he says the symbol of peace will disappear. And then he says that there's a 6% crime rate in Japan just because All Might lives there. 
and that most other nations are hovering around 20%. And then he says something to the effect of, America really could use you. And I was like, he's not wrong. And now this feels meta. Yeah. Yeah. No, it felt real, real. I was like, America does need a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, well, we we after this scene, we go back to the kids and we see that Melissa actually gives Kaminari and Manetta tickets to the expo because they didn't have them. They were just working there so that way they could get on the island and then hope to buy tickets, I guess, for like the last public day. Yeah. And she actually has a few extras, so they get to go. Uh, so now we've got everybody. Okay, there's a scene here, and I think it's taking place kind of in the midst of what you're talking about, where Ochako tosses Melissa into the air using her gravity quirk. Uh, like grabs her by the hips or something and tosses her and she's like starting to float away, you know, and everybody's just like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And I just wrote in my notes, I was like, I'm having flashbacks of that baseball flying to infinity and Ochako's just down there waving all innocently as she removes the obstacle between her and Midoriya, like, bye-bye, Miss <laughs> Steel Door Man. You're out of here. It's <laughs> like floats her off of I Island That's totally. awesome. Bye-bye, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, it turns out that Melissa couldn't do anything about it anyways because she doesn't have a quirk. She's just like Midoriya. Yeah, totally quirkless. But she's super yeah. smart, which, you know, serves her well and serves the, uh, the students well as the plot develops. Yeah, it definitely does. They kind of explain that she wants to be just like her dad, who is this, you know, all great scientist for heroes, and that maybe she doesn't have a quirk, but to be a hero, she's going to help out heroes, which I thought was pretty cool. Like, I feel like the TV show hasn't done a great job emphasizing that the heroes do have people they rely on. This is just an example of that for sure. It's really nice to see that they've got people that don't have like these incredible quirks, but have these incredible brains that are building things to enhance those quirks. I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the support stuff gets uh, a really nice nod and some un some oh some overdue attention. I think um, right. And then we get, we get this cool scene where one of the two pieces of tech that we actually get to see in action um, as Melissa invites Deku up to her room. I think it's like the night of the big dinner or whatever, and. It's. I was like, okay, there's. Here's some inconsistencies in Midoriya's character. He gets all hot and bothered when a girl gets close to him or talks to him on the phone. He's completely clueless when she invites him up to her room and is like totally okay with that. Like he's not shaking, he's not nervous, he's just chatty and as calm as could be. And I'm like, you can't <laughs> talk on the phone with the girl. There's no way you're just gonna go chill with her in her room. That's a good point. I actually yeah. hadn't thought of that. But it, maybe it's because Melissa's like out of his league or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I was like, man, talking on a phone and then being invited up to her room all by yourself. You know, I was like, man, those are yeah. radically different things. And if the first one shakes you up, the second one should be like paralyzing. Yeah, yes. No, totally. Plot hole. Well, there's some kind of weird stuff <laughs> Plot with <hole>. Midoriya. <laughs> there's definitely some weird stuff in, with Midoriya and Melissa anyways, because I think whenever they first ran into all the girls from 1A, he originally tells her, like, don't even tell them I'm here with All Might. And I don't really understand why. Like, that was kind of a weird, why would he care? I mean, he they all know he hangs out with All Might anyways. Yeah, I, I couldn't quite put my finger down on why he wanted to be, why, why he needed that to be as secretive as, as he did either yeah so. yeah well anyways back to melissa's room uh she does give all might a really awesome piece of tech tell us a little bit about that adkins well she doesn't give it to all might though she gives it to midoriya that's right um, i'm bad with names all might is not in a room <laughs> with a teenage girl all by his lonesome um <laughs> thank the lord uh but yeah she gives him this really cool again it, it kind of looks like a one of those little slap bracelet things like maybe that's her little tech you know her own little proprietary technology is this this fabric-y but 
you know, hardening kind of material. And she has this bracelet that he puts on. And when he taps it, it puts this gauntlet, uh, like, you don't know, three quarters of the way up his arm. Um, and then of course, Deku himself has a naming convention. So in addition to full cowling, now he has the full gauntlet. Um, and in classic anime style, he has to say both of those things when using either one. Um, of course. So he, <laughs> it wouldn't just, work otherwise. You I have know. to like, invoke I, the name. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how anime works all the time. All the time. <laughs> did you notice that she said she, and maybe I just misheard this, but did she make a mention of, of the fact that she had made this device for All Might at one point in time? Uh, I don't remember if she said she made it for All Might. She did say that it had been tested against like All Might's power and it could take like three of his punches or something like that. Right. Yeah, that's what I heard. So that's like the limit. Yeah, like I she think so. she is is almost like she was invoking All Might as like a um like a a measure of this is this is what it can do. Um like a, a measure a standard. of abilities. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't remember her saying that she made it for him. She could have. I mean, it wouldn't change the fact that it's a freaking cool piece of tech and Yeah. I was so, I was like, "Ooh, I hope this is a permanent fixture." No, nah, dog. Done last. Done last, but it's super cool. It would yes. have been really cool if season three, episode one, he showed up to school with that thing on his arm. Yeah, but <laughs> like in hindsight, though, then there's a part of me that thinks that like it it would go back to being that that crutch that he leans on too much, and That's like true. without it, he's he has to push himself to actually be physically capable of withstanding what he needs to be. So I, I it mm-hmm. was cool, you know, little MacGuffin or Dave Sex Machina for for the movie, but I mean, I was I, literally about to say it was a fun MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The part I liked about it is later when it does come into play and she sees him, you know, using the gauntlet. And she's like, oh, oh, you kept it. You used it. You didn't take it off. And he was like, oh, I didn't know how. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. That was great. Oh, geez. <laughs> so we get this awesome scene shortly after all of this where Ida has told everybody like, all right, we're going to meet at this spot at this time. It's for the gala. Don't be late. <laughs> and I mean, it's very Ida tradition. And then he tells everybody this and like takes off at full speed. And so everyone is supposed to be getting together, meeting up, and they, they most of them get there, but all of the women are a few minutes late. Um, and it's funny because the... But mo- further, Midoriya is late because he's, you know, receiving this gauntlet right. and he gets that is screaming that call phone call. Oh, no. <laughs> Am you I out of that, touch you? with euphemisms all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> he's getting this gauntlet. I love it. <laughs> Well, so after after they show up, it's it's so funny because Mineta and Kaminari are like trying to pick their chins up off the ground. Like all the women walk in and immediately they're just like floored. Yeah, I mean they got they got dolled up, and um, I mean it's it's radically different than their school uniforms, and that's Definitely. that's all that those boys have pretty much seen any of those uh, any of the other characters in outside of you know a day at the mall. Yeah, but I get, I don't know. I feel like there's this kind of weirdness, like. I don't want to use the word catch 22, but it kind of is where like they totally see Momo half naked all the time. You know what I mean? Like her outfit is super (laughs) revealing. I mean, not to, not to distract from the fact that she looked nice dressed up. It's not that it's just a matter of like, they see that more Mm -hmm. often than it kind of harkens back to whenever they trick them into wearing those cheerleader outfits. Oh yeah. Yeah. That moment was great. Yeah. Like I'm just thinking covered up more than her regular like costume. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. I think that's kind of funny. Uh, so they're absolutely being obsessed, and they're all waiting for Bakugo and uh, Kaminari. Kaminari, thank you, Hannah. So they're waiting on Bakugo and Kaminari, and Todoroki's not there either at this point. 
and we switch over and we see All Might giving the speech to I Island and everyone at the gala talking about you know being the best that there is and and whatnot. And we get this neat background moment where we see like their security system and it just looks like it's being hacked. I mean, it's this very stereotypical movie hacking scene where yeah. there's a guy like Straight seriously out of the typing 90s. at a keyboard and all of a sudden all these you know green buttons turn red and exactly. they're like, oh, we've got it hacked. The green to red, that's always it. Yeah, it's all like the moment it turns red, they're like, all right, we got it hacked. <laughs> That kind of like being an IT guy, I love seeing stuff like this in movies because I'm like, oh, so that's how it works. You're telling me your script ran on the first time? That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that scene from Jurassic Park where the girl's like hacking into the system and she's like, I know this system. I can do this. And I'm like, it, it's buildings with the names on top of them. Of course you're going to know where to click. It's not that yeah. hard. <laughs> <laughs> so they've got the, the system completely hacked. And at this point, there are all these terrorists that are around and... They have like infiltrated this gala, and it basically the security system takes over, and it like I guess it they've tricked it into thinking that the heroes are actually villains because it all of a sudden like encapsules all of the heroes in these weird rope like electric rope things. It does what? Yeah, like traps add it, them. Add it to the list, Celis. Encapsules, encapsulates, en- encapsules. encapsulates. There you go. That's better. <laughs> I like that one. That's a good one. I'm two words. I'm two words up for this this show as far as I'm concerned. It ties them up, Adam. It ties them up. Come on. Yeah, a, uh, All Might's like beginning his speech, and then the security system like comes over PA, and it's just like there's a bomb on the island, and then all of a sudden everybody gets incapacitated, um, including all the heroes, and All Might can't even flex his way out of it, which is like that's how you know that it's real good. You know, <laughs> when All Might is yes. like straining and not doing anything, you're like, oh, this is for real. Um, and he starts smoking, like, from his back muscles. <laughs> yeah, and then we have the first instance in this movie, I think there's one other one, where in my notes I'm like, do these two people have telepathy? Because All Might is, you know, encapsulated on the floor. And, <laughs> and then he's, like, looking at David, and they have this conversation without moving their mouths. and it's, Literally in their minds. Yeah, and it's back <laughs> yeah. and forth. And I'm like, what? Do All Might and David have telepathy? And then later on... Um, I don't remember who else. I'm like, do they? It's what? Midoriya. Is it All Might and Midoriya have the same kind of situation? No, it was Midoriya and Melissa. Later on, for some reason, uh-huh. there's this scene where they start talking to one another back and forth with their brains. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? Yeah. It's very weird. <laughs> but there's the scene where, um, you know, All Might's, you know, encapsulated on the floor and he sees Midoriya <laughs> up above through that little like glass window kind of thing. And they have that moment where they know what each other is thinking. And it's just, I was like, going on here the ua students get to work though uh so like midoriya uses his phone light to get all might's attention and then jiro puts her jackson to the floor and that allows all might to like whisper but she can hear it which is really cool yeah Yeah. super cool i like you get to see her do some cool stuff in this in this you know um but he tells them to get out of there he's like y'all need to go um and then there's kind of the same kind of struggle in this scene as they had against, well, on the backside of the confrontation with Stain, where they're like, we can't use our powers as heroes until we're licensed, but we need to do what we think is the right thing. So there's this really long um, back and forth discussion about what they can or can't do. But I thought I remembered like really early on in the movie as like part of the pitch for I Island was that people could use their quirks however they wanted to on the island. I feel like that was like a verbatim thing that was said at some point. 
uh, where it's like people are allowed to use their quirks however they'd like. Um, if it was, I think I totally missed that. No, I remember that. You remember that? I do. Okay, yeah. so I just wasn't paying attention. So I thought that they were going to use that as like, well, that on island, the rules are different, so we could go ham. Um, but they don't. They still have this little dilemma. Um, but eventually... It probably would have made a better movie if they had been able to do that. Yeah, well, I don't know that it changed what they did, really. It just created this three-minute discussion that could have been... Uh, circumvented if they were just like, well, things are different here on the island because um, they introduced it so early that concept. I thought, but yeah, no, I think you're right. The weird thing though is is that they end up using their powers anyways. Like they don't use them necessarily on anyone while they're trying to fix this issue, but they're still using them. Yeah, yeah. Like at what point in time do you go? Okay, well, this is okay. Like you technically used your powers, but you didn't hurt anybody, so it's fine. But if you had just hurt this one guy, then that wouldn't have been okay. You well, know what I mean? Right, right. They do the uh, they do a, a very Ninja Turtles move here until the very end when they're fighting with like the big villain. Where in the cartoon, the Ninja Turtles, in order for them, the only things that they use their weapons against are the foot soldiers, and the foot soldiers for the cartoon were turned into robots so that their violence was acceptable. Right. Um, <laughs> so the only thing that they like do it well. I mean, they they um, the when they start bumping into the vigilantes and, and the different heroes, so like Kirishima, when Kirishima and Bakugo come onto the scene, uh, when they bump into them in that little like plant room, then they start, they have to get hands on. I mean, it's, it's the same situation as what, what happened with Stain. It's like, listen, this is self-defense and they don't, they don't wrestle with that anymore when it comes to direct confrontation. That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. And I mean, I guess they, they don't have time to wrestle with that either. Like, it's either die or use your powers, defend yourself, and see tomorrow. Yeah, and so they, Melissa gets inspired by Midoriya, who's just like, listen, we can't leave All Might down there, because that's what Midoriya does. And um, she's and All like, Might's already starting to sweat that time limit that he's got, too. Like, yeah. he's smoking. And I, I can't imagine how awful it would be for All Might to turn into his Jinko jeans All Might, <laughs> you know, in the middle of this gala where more than likely it's being aired on television. Like, that would be awful. Right, right. So he's he's holding it in. I mean, there's some weird things that they do with concerning All Might's limits in this movie that I'm just like, all right, I'm not sure that that's how limits work, but um, <laughs> plus ultra, I guess. Um but <laughs> Melissa's like, hey, if we're going to have a chance at this, we need to disable the security system or put it back on our side. And it's at the top of a 200-floor building. Let's start running. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'd have been like, like, no. I'd have been like uh, so plan B is what? Um, I'm not running up 200 <laughs> floors. You've got to be out of your mind. And, of course, they have this revelation on, like, the 30th floor. And I'm like, oh, my yeah. God, I would die. <laughs> yeah, they're on the 30th floor. And I think Mineta is like, how many more? And she goes, oh, you know, 200. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, then Ochako, I think, like, even she even offers to help her, you know, get up faster because she's sort of lagging behind everybody. She's like, oh, no, it's cool, and takes her shoes off. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, that's going to help. <laughs> well, that's where I couldn't figure out. Like, they're running up these stairs. All of them have some pretty cool quirks. Why would they not use these quirks to get up the stairs faster. I don't you know, know what I mean? but I will say this. This movie makes them look like insanely fit teenagers. I mean, to yeah. just run up 200 floors. I mean, even at the top of 30, they were like breathing a little and maybe had a <laughs> drop of sweat. Uh, and I was like, good Lord, these these kids are fit, man. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely are. They, they get up to this planetary, or not planetary, but plant room and they're hiding out because two villains come out of the um, the elevator. But then Kirishima and Bakugo are there, and they start confrontation with these guys. So then everybody just kind of starts piling on. 
Um, and then I think the bad guys are like, what are you guys doing up here? And Bakugo, because he's Bakugo, says something like, like we'd tell a couple of weak-ass villains. And when, <laughs> when Bakugo isn't fighting another hero, these lines are great. Like, I was totally cheering on Bakugo because he wasn't beating up on one of the other guys that we like from 1A. He's just, like, kicking some villains behind and enjoying yeah. himself. And I'm just like, this is this is awesome. So Yeah, and I love, I think Kirishima was like, oh, no, that's not what he meant. We're just lost. Yeah, like, yeah. lost on the 40th floor? What yeah. are you talking about? Yep. <laughs> so one of the villains, like, purple hulks out, and then the other one has some sort of, like, displace matter ray thing that comes out of his hand and there's a pretty cool fight between them um yeah that was a really cool fight yeah the the main group breaks back off they're they're still their objective is still to uh get up to the top so they come up with this plan to i think go ahead sorry i was was gonna say i think the only one that breaks off and stays is todoroki because now you've got like todoroki bakugo and kirishima the rest continue going up the the flight of stairs the heavy hitters man the offensive guys they're in there and it's awesome um, <laughs> then they come up with this plan that she's like, oh, I think we can, I think they come up to a locked door. Like, how can we circumvent this? Oh, well we can use this vent, but it's way up high and it's tiny and it leads outside, but then you could scale the outside of the building. And so they elect Mineta because he's the only one that could do it. And I think, um, Kirishima or no, not Kirishima, Kaminari is with them. Kaminari, he's like, just imagine the harem of women that are going to, fall all over you when you pull off this, you know, super awesome, you know, espionage, you know, super spy move. And he's like climbing up the outside using his sticky balls. And in the English, he was saying peril with like every move. He's like peril, peril, peril as he keeps moving up. Um, but he keeps talking That's to funny. himself the whole time. He gets up there and he's like, I did it. And the chicks are going to swoon. And then when the, <laughs> when the rest of the girls catch up to him, he's like, ladies, let's have some kisses, please. Like he's just oh already like, like line up. I'm due. I've, I've earned it. Um, Nasty. Oh my God. Well, it's <laughs> great. Cause in the Japanese version, instead of saying peril, he was just saying harem over and over. Every time oh. he touched the wall, he'd be like harem. Harem. Maybe harem. that's yeah. what he was saying. It was hard to, it was hard to tell, but harem makes it even better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was a fun Mineta moment. And every time sure. he'd like slide down a little bit, it would get worse. And yeah. harum, 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 harum. <laughs> That's great. Then we get back to uh, the fight with uh, the boys, as I'm going to collectively refer to them um, for the rest of this time. That would be uh, like we talked about this Todoroki, Bakugo, and Kirishima. And they're straight up taking it to these two dudes. Bakugo yeah, does that are. howitzer move that he pulled in the... Um, in the festival on the purple Hulk guy. And it knocks him out of his transformation, which is totally DBZ to get hit hard enough that you just drop a transformation, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was such an awesome tie back to that. (laughs) Uh, Did you see Kirishima got knocked so hard? He just got like pulverized into a building like the side of the building and was stuck there the rest of the fight. Yeah. Yeah. He did. I love that. There wasn't that much fight left because the matter displacement guy didn't know how Bakugo's quirk worked. And he like tried to displace him i guess part of him ends up getting some of this sweat and clothing on his hands yeah and it's a great scene because he's like oh god i got this dude's sweat all over me and bakugo just says yeah my nitroglycerin sweat and looks at todoroki who automatically knows and lights this dude up yeah <laughs> huge explosion. so cool yeah and then they go over to uh to uh kirishima who's still stuck in the wall and he's just <laughs> like can you guys uh can you guys pull me out of here and bakugo's just like turn your damn quirk off you idiot <laughs> And then he does, and he falls right out of the wall. Which I thought was a great moment, too. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I loved it. I thought this was awesome. We end up going back over to the other students and we have this kind of scene where there are all of these robots and there are these security guards and they're trying to figure out how they're going to get past them. And Kaminari is like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll take care of them. And he jumps in to the middle of this group of bots. They kind of look like uh, the Daleks from Doctor Who, if mm-hmm. you guys ever watched Doctor Who. And so the, these these bots are getting electrified by him, and they're not going down at like a million vol- volts. And he goes, okay, well, I'll do two million volts. And he just cranks it up. And even Jiro is like, don't do that, you idiot. You're going to be dumb the rest of the episode. Because that's pretty much exactly what happens. The electricity does nothing to the bots. And there he is, Kaminari, just kind of wooing out. Doing his thumbs up. Thumbs up. (laughs) Doing doing his fawns. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, so he gets captured. And then there's this this funny conversation that takes place. Maybe it's only funny to me because of the way that it was presented. But Ida was just like, well, so much for plan A. Let's go to plan B. And I just have in my notes that B must stand for boobs because Momo just starts projecting a bunch of grenade thingies straight out of her breasts. It's yeah, like, I noticed that. <laughs> he's she like, would like reach into her bra and like grab out these grenades. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah. was plan B. It's like, Momo, boobs, now. Yeah. Well, and somehow she's like blocking communication from the security bots back to the main computer using this weird mist in the air. I don't even begin to try and explain how it worked. It's just, I guess she knows some sort of communication blocking technique. I guess. I don't know. But then... Uh, we did get... Mineta actually stopped a few. Like, he was throwing his sticky balls on the ground so they couldn't zoom past the balls. I yeah. thought that was kind of cool. He must have had a good crap that day, too, because he's super effective. I mean, they those balls let him scale building and stop a bunch of uh, robots. So, I'm guessing good number two for Mineta that morning. I would think so. <laughs> and then Ida and Midoriya power up, and they're fighting off a bunch. I mean, this was a pretty cool little scene where you kind of see everybody get to showcase their powers... Uh, Midoriya actually uses his first like punch with the new gauntlet. He tries a 30% smash first and no harm done to his arm. And he knocks out probably a good 25, 30 bots. It looked like, yeah, it was cool. So that was pretty cool. And then, uh, I, I talked to you guys about this off air right before we started recording, but there's this like half second shot of Mineta who's standing behind Jiro as she's like bent over, like on hands and knees with her ear jacks into the floor. And Ida's like, are there? Are they sending reinforcements? And she's like, yes. And she points over in one direction. And there's this half a second shot where Mineta is standing behind Jiro, who's wearing the skirt, but also has like leggings or pants on underneath it. Um, but in that half second shot, Mineta gets like super bothered. And I couldn't tell if it was because of the news that there were more robots coming, or if it be, or if it was because of the view that he had, and just because he was behind Jiro and she was in a you know prone position. And uh, in in one of the novels <laughs> that I'm reading right now for my hero, it's one of the um, school briefs. Like because it is a, a a worded medium instead of like a visual medium like the manga or the show, they have to say everything. And Mineta has he has no uh, like no filter in that book, and so he's just like he goes down the slide and turns around and talks about how he's waiting for more upskirts. And I was just like, oh, my God. And I can't tell which, like, both of those re- reactions, like, whether he was hot and bothered because he was had this, you know, provocative view of Jiro, or if it was because reinforcements were coming. Both of those things fit his character as we know him. Um, but I don't know. It's just a funny little scene. It's a half seconds with Mineta that are great, you know. Just, I'm going with both. Both? I think yeah. it was both. It yeah. was both. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to I mean, present he- a false dichotomy. <laughs> he seems like a seize the moment kind of guy, so I could definitely see it being both. Yeah. Was his was his nose bleeding? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> his head starts to bleed later when he, start, I remember when he that. pulls out too many purple balls. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that at the moment, this is kind of where Ida tells Midoriya, like, hey, you know, it's I almost hate this in this kind of a movie, but there's a second here where they're all fighting these bots, and Melissa is like, be careful, this is the server room. If you break any of the servers here, then the security system won't work. And I'm like, oh, that's how that works. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, and God. so Ida sends them away, and you've got the rest of the crew there fighting off these bots as a distraction, and that's when Mineta starts grabbing, you know, just one ball after another, and his head starts bleeding. Yeah, everybody kind of is reaching the the limits of their quirks, except for Jiro. Like, we we don't know what her limit looks like, but Momo starts getting, she's breathing heavily and is sweating. Like, it's, you know, I think we've talked in one of the episodes that her creation quirk requires a lot of calories. And so she's clearly, like, burned through a lot of that, creating all these things um, during this fight. And Mineta's pulled off too many balls and everybody's yeah i think um Ida's engine stalled yeah yeah so everybody's yeah. <laughs> at the kind of reaching their um their limits here yeah and it, and i forgot to mention but achako actually went off with deku and melissa to kind of get to this next room and this is where melissa spots an emergency escape exit and is like hey we can get to the top floor through that exit but we're going to have to figure out a way to get there cuz it's probably like 70 feet in the air or something mm-hmm. so achako you know, uses her quirk on both of them and sends them flying. And it's kind of a really tense moment because all these bots start swarming a Chaco. And, you know, if her power stops and they're just going to fall like 70 or 80 feet at this point. And right before those bots attack a Chaco, the boys show up and save the day. <laughs> that's exactly what my notes say. Actually, the boys show yeah. up. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I've got to so at the last second, those three show up and they're defending her. And we get this really cool scene too, where Todoroki it actually uses his uh, fire to like blast a fan and send hot air up to Melissa and Midoriya and send them flying. It was pretty cool. Bringing us to my first favorite scene. Oh yeah. In this movie, because it reminds me of that first <laughs> episode with Midoriya clinging to All Might's leg and his just lips and gums and teeth flapping in the wind. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> so his his leaps and or his lips and gums were flapping in that scene? That's oh, why you yeah. Oh god, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Gotcha. Definitely. <laughs> and then this is when we get our very first 100% Detroit smash from uh, Midoriya here. He lines it up and attacks the side of the wall and gets them into the building that he needs to be in to continue moving up to the top floor. Yeah, where he bumps into Baraka, who well, who I refer to as Baraka, one of these villains whose quirk is to like turn his arms into long blades, like Baraka from Mortal Kombat, sort of. See, I was going to mention, like, one of the, my biggest frustrations with this movie is that none of the villains were named. Like, I don't think at any point in time do any of the villains get a name in this movie. Yeah, I did um, I did find that the main guy, the the metal bender dude who we meet here in just a second, that he does have a name. Um, his name is Wolfram. I don't remember them saying that. I certainly didn't take a note on it, but I did some internet research. Um, gotcha. So his name is Wolfram, and... And then his main sidekick is based off this Mortal Kombat guy, it sounds like. Yeah, apparently. Um, and fun trivia, this is straight off of that wiki that we're always looking at. Wolfram is the German name for tungsten, which is a reference to his metal-based quirk. That makes mm. sense. Interesting. So it would have been fun to have heard that sometime during the movie. Maybe they said it once, but I don't think so. Um, I don't remember it. I don't remember seeing any of the villains' names pop Mm-mm. up at all. Yeah. Except for All for One at the very end. But other than yeah. that... I don't think that they showed up. So well, this but is they did. the big turning point in the movie too. When they start moving past a couple more doors, they run into David. 
Right. So they get into this final security room after Midoriya. I mean, he beats up that one guy pretty quick. That's like a, it's a real one hit quick KO. 30 second. Yeah. One hit KO. They make it up to the top floor. They walk in. And of course, the first thing they see is Melissa's father, David, and his sidekick, Sam. And it looks like they're trying to go through some sort of like matrix inventory of all of these devices that have been created over the years or something. Whenever they first show up, they're trying to figure out like, oh, did the terrorists bring you up here or what's going on? You know, and and we come to find out the big twist is that David has gotten this device that he created, I I guess, however many years ago that actually amplifies quirks with no ill side effects at all from what we can tell. Correct. And so he has gone through this inventory matrix and got it and stolen it. And they're kind of about to make their escape when Melissa and Midoriya walk in on this. And this is when it comes to find out that David had set up this entire scheme. And it really kind of shocked me because whenever this was starting to happen, Hannah had mentioned like, oh, I bet that they're getting this device to fix All Might. And I was like, there's no way. Like, this all happened in a day. You know, All Might just showed up. And for some reason, I guess I just made like in my head, I was like, there's no way that David could have pulled all this off in one day. But it makes sense now that I'm like looking at it going back. He had probably been planning this for a week or two. And didn't want All Might to be there in the first place. That's why he was so shocked whenever All Might showed up. And this is probably why he was looking longingly at the picture of All Might. Yes, that's 100% (laughs) why he was. I mean, it's it's a heck of a bromance. I mean, he's like, I did this all for All Might. And he says that all these bad guys, they're not really villains. They're just, you know, theater actors. They're ordered to do no harm. And then the idea was that he and Melissa would take this device and the two of them would run away, which wouldn't implicate them at all. That's not suspicious. Um, Yeah, not at all. But uh, then it turns out that actually the bad guys are indeed um, causing great harm. And the main dude shows up in the room and his quirk is some sort of metal manipulation, possibly like a magnetism of some kind. He's and, kind of a cruddy Magneto. Yeah, I definitely, I had Magneto <laughs> down in mine, uh, in my work, as w- uh, in my notes as well. But like, I mean, Crummy, I mean, he was really effective with his metal bending. I, I think my note for Magneto is if Magneto had been like this in the X-Men movies, he would have been a much scarier and, and better villain. <laughs> Cause he was like, he was really, really devastating with his, uh, his metal bending. You do remember when Magneto moved the, that giant bridge, right? Yeah. I'm not saying that Magneto <laughs> didn't show similar displays of power. It's just That's that true. this guy pulled zero punches. He just starts That's true. straight wrecking folks with beams and cubes of pure metal and just start, I mean, he is devastating. Right. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Uh, this guy was super duper powerful. Well, and, and this is also, I think, when Sam betrays David. Like, yep. he, he takes that device out of David's hands and takes it over to Wolfram, is what I think you called him. Yeah. So, hands it right over, and even David is like, Sam, how could you? <laughs> yep, he's after recognition. Sam's all butthurt because he, he doesn't get any of the recognition that David does, and instead of getting a recognition or a reward, he gets a bullet instead, and uh, Wolfram goes to shoot him a second time, but David dives in front of it. Uh, Which was pretty friendly of him after his sidekick literally just betrayed him. Right, right. right. And I think in the Japanese movie, he wasn't really complaining about recognition as much as he was complaining about money. He wanted the money. (laughs) Yeah. He was like, look, you've been busy working, and because you haven't made anything, I haven't made any money. So, like, I'm just sitting around waiting on you, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I get either one of those motivations, for real. Yeah. So, the they do manage to get past... These guys and uh, Melissa turns the security systems off. Bonds released. All the heroes waste zero time before they just start bashing bad guys all over I Island. 
Um, and then this is really funny. I had, so I had two questions. So first off, like all Might gets freed, he's still in his muscle form and he's like running, but he's running at like not super speed. And so like, is his speed situational or what? Because there are times where he's just like the flash level fast. And then there's this scene where he's just like, I'm just going to jog down this hallway. Huzzah. Um, <laughs> and then on top of that, he answers his phone in this, in the middle of a moment of crisis, like his phone rings and he's like, hold on, I better get this. Like in the middle of I Island <laughs> swarming with villains, he's like, hold on, I'm not going to let this one go to voicemail. Um, yeah. so that was pretty weird. Well, I guess I just assumed that the reason he was running slow is because he had probably already been stuck in that form for close to an hour, if not longer, and he can only stay in that form for 30 minutes at a resting, you know, spot. So he's already 30 minutes past. It's like, well, I'm going to get there. If they haven't screwed up already, that's great. But if they have, I'm going to be cleaning up anyways. I might as well not waste my power running. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, 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 I mean he's, that's got to be the best explanation. I just don't like it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It is. It did seem kind of weird. And I do like the fact that he answered his phone like nothing else mattered in that one second. Yeah. <laughs> a phone call is here, except that wasn't his ringtone, I don't think. Was it? I don't think it was, I think no. It was. I didn't hear it, no. It made me sad. Did you also catch that in the moment where Midoriya is breaking into that final security room? Uh, mm-hmm. I kind of glossed over this earlier, but there's like probably five or six villains at the top of the stairs with machine guns, and he out dodges yeah. all of them like <laughs> since when can Midoriya dodge bullets yeah, that I was insane I don't know it was still a cool scene though I had the same question a... I was like man Midoriya you're not bulletproof man you're not even you proof like yeah <laughs> you break yourself all the time guns are gonna wreck you son um, but he doesn't care I mean he's in 100% hero mode because his uh his bay all might is in trouble so we do get to see a couple times this movie where he uses like 100% full cowling to run and then just does like 5% smashes, which was really cool. So we can see that he's learning how to really kind of mitigate those issues that he does have while still utilizing his full power, which is pretty cool. He's uh, developing some strategery there. Yeah, strategery. Strategery. Yeah, and he, t- he gets beat up pretty significantly, not by any bullets, but by Metal Man. Um, yeah. I mean, he gets smashed between columns of metal as uh, Wolfram is making his escape. Um, he gets into a helicopter, a helicopter Wolfram does with David, and uh, because he needs David to make more of these machines. This is all, this is now a get-rich-quick scheme. And I mean, it, like it just became that. It's been that way for this guy this whole time. And yeah, well, and I think we get this quick moment where they even show David like trying to sell those devices, or maybe he was just explaining to like a board members that he had created it, and even right. they were like, "No, you got to lock that away. Like, if anyone gets a hold of this, it's bad news." Yeah, he created the he he created a nuke. Is I mean, it's the equivalent yeah. of of you know back in you know the early 1900s or, or mid 1900s, whenever the the nuke was created that. It was like people were like, "Hey, we did this thing," and it, and immediately everybody was like, "We don't need to tell anybody," <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think it's totally fair. After what we see, I think that's totally fair. Yeah. Um, so they get on the helicopter. Deku jumps up there, grabs a hold of it. David has basically resigned himself to a villain's end. Uh, Midori tries to snap him out of it, um, and then All Might shows up on the scene, and it turns out that that dude Wolfram has put this. Um, sometime in the next like minute or two of the film has put that device on and like it all of a sudden this metal stuff starts coming out of everywhere it looks like a scene from akira um where just just like metal man's full power is just bonkers i mean it's super cinematic there's metal jutting things coming out of everywhere and um this is where 
he makes this comment when All Might shows up, and he's like, man, I can charge whatever I want for these things if I use it to kill the world's number one hero. Yeah. Um, well, and this this device is insane. Like, it doesn't even just double his power. It, it seemed like it almost, like, quadrupled it, if not more. Yeah, it, it felt is, pretty exponential. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, he even looks totally different, like, mm-hmm. super powered up. Well, and he had said earlier in one of these super early scenes, the cutaway scenes, um, where the villain was just like, what, All Might's here? No problem. And I was like, what do you mean no problem? Like, early on in the movie, I was like, who is this guy that he thinks he could beat up All Might? Right. Um, But we find out, not only does he have the use of this machine, or did he believe that he would have it when it came to confrontation with All Might, um, or if it came to confrontation with All Might, but he also has been imbued with multiple quirks, which is where, um, as you had mentioned, All for One's name gets dropped in here. So whenever Sam reached out to a bunch of villains to actually, I guess, create this hoax, they're not even supposed to be villains. And All for One ends up finding out about it and thinks to himself, well, you know, if this guy wants to get in mixed up with some bad trouble, we'll get some seriously bad trouble. And he's the one that sends Wolfram and he sends him fully loaded with a bunch of powers. Yeah, at least one other one. So in addition to the metal, he certainly gets like super strength or some such. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, possibly one, the ability to glow like one of those glow worms that you used to give to babies. You know what I'm yes. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he looked like a glow stick or something. Yeah, <laughs> but All Might, All Might is has having a very visceral reaction to this because he's been well past his limit this whole time. This is where I said the his limits in this movie are weird because he's like, with my students giving all that they've got, I can't let myself get held back by something as foolish as a limit. I've got to go beyond. It's time to go plus ultra. And my notes just say, I'm not sure that's how limits work, but anime consistently teaches me otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, it was, uh, (laughs) it was awesome. I love that. So they go, he and the boys show up on the scene right around this time. Um, so they start joining in They're They're doing a little bit of like hostage, not hostage rescue, but they're just, they're on the defensive at this point. Um, cause all my and, Deku are running up to uh, have a face-to-face confrontation with Wolfram. And it is stinking cool to watch. This is where the movie like seriously starts coming together as far as like awesomeness goes, is this final fight here. <laughs> yeah, this one, this one is awesome. I, I love the fact that we get to see this just total throwdown, but with All Might and Midoriya teaming up against the big baddie, like you've got Todoroki flying around with eyes trying to help defend them while they're running up to the bad guy. So you've got all these like I mean, it looked like buildings almost, but I'm pretty sure they're just eye beams or something coming at the two of them, and Todoroki's fending them off with his eyes. I mean, everyone is really pulling their parts here. It was awesome. Yeah, and there's at one point, All Might gets like smashed between two giant cubes of metal, and then Wolfram sends a bunch of like spears or skewers through him. And, yeah. And it's like, it's hard to watch. I was like, oh, there's no way he lived through that. I don't care who he is. And then Deku jumps up there and. D- d- Detroit smashes that thing to pieces and he's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, I was like, how are there not any holes in All Might? Like, yeah, he was definitely skewered about 15 times. It looked brutal, but apparently... <laughs> he was totally fine. Yeah. yeah. Totally fine. He didn't even, like, deform. At this point, uh-uh. I don't know how he hasn't melted down into Jinko jeans. Yeah. And then, so that ticks off Wolfram, so he starts putting all of his metal together into one giant cube for reasons i guess i mean it looks cool but that doesn't seem like the greatest strategy of all time i don't know but he's just i assumed it 
I assumed it was going to be like a giant meteor or something. Yeah. It's just going to wreck the whole island. It was like <laughs> it was like a metal cubic spirit bomb is basically what he was doing. Totally. Um, totally. Oh my so gosh. So the, the boys <laughs> jump up there and they double Detroit smash that thing and it just, I mean, blood is flying out of All Might's mouth because he's beyond his limits. Midoriya's clothes are literally ripping off of him because he's like, starts getting jacked because he's channeling so much of uh, the one for all uh, in this punch, like destroys the gauntlet. Uh, but it does get the job done. I mean, it blows up the cube thing. Yeah, and I think they called it the Double Detroit Smash. Yeah. And this is also the same scene where they're, it's really cool because Midoriya and All Might are both like up in the air, and they both have their fists out, and you get this quick flash over to Melissa and David, and they're both looking at Midoriya, and they see All Might at first, and then he transforms into Midoriya, and like they have finally recognized that... You know, the symbol of peace isn't going anywhere. It's just that it's being transferred to Midoriya. Yeah. Like, it's a really great quick second scene here. Yeah, they show that shot of Midoriya in midair, and he's posing exactly like All Might was in that picture that David kept looking longingly at. Um, right. The <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of that meme of uh, Wolverine holding that picture of Jean Grey from the old X-Men cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like that. Yeah. There's this awesome moment where uh, All Might does a Carolina smash, and Hannah looks at me and she goes, so is it north or south? Like, is it a barbecue <laughs> style? Or, like, how does he choose which Carolina he's focusing on, you know? It bothered me. It depends <laughs> It depends on where the person that he named that move after was from. That's yes, true. Yes, I need more information. Maybe he was there when they were both just Carolina, before they split. <laughs> All right, now you're reaching. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying real hard here. <laughs> how old is Toshi? Probably not that old. He's got to be like, well, we don't know, but I would guess if I had to peg All Might, he's probably 46. I don't know why that number, but <laughs> that, is, that is oddly specific. It yeah. is. How did you come up with 46? I pulled it out of somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Somewhere in his math, Nezu is evil is a proof of as like why All Might is 46. It's just like yeah. part of the <laughs> argument. Like somewhere in there, there's a line that's just like, Nezu's bad news. Yeah. There, yeah. There, I mean, therefore, All Might is 46. The math uh, is Nezu flawless. was actually behind the entire Wolfram attack. We just don't know it yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh he was the God. one that Wolfram was actually talking to on the phone. Because we never right. see David on the phone with him. So I guess that leaves room for that uh, theory to breathe. At this point in time, we've never seen All for One and Nezu in the same you know vicinity. So mm. checks out. Maybe Nezu sent, was the one that sent All Might there in the first place. Ooh. Oh, Lord. Maybe. I'm liking that theory. Maybe. I, I mean, can pick up on that. Melissa takes credit for like organizing this, but maybe Nezu is, is really, the, he's the real progenitor of this whole thing. Nezu it, is Melissa. Nezu is Melissa. <laughs> Done. It would make sense with his quirk, though, because he has the quirk that allows him to see chain reactions. So he could be like, well, if I send All Might to I Island, then all of these other things will happen. So maybe he was. Oh, my God. Y'all are villainizing this poor little mouse thing. Who is y'all? It's not Atkins, it's totally <laughs> me. <laughs> I'm just an enabler, Hannah, because sometimes it makes for good radio. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll give you a pass on that one. It's you. Yeah, it is. You're it's one ever sent me. He's, he's, well, she's pointing at Adam. I mean, I'm not in the room with them, but I can see her pointing at Adam anyway. It's just like, yes. you know, how um, Melissa and Midori were able to have this telepathic conversation earlier. I'm similarly exactly. linked to Hannah and Adam right now. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, I got... 
I got to say, the end of the movie kind of threw me off because we've got this like huge lead up. We've got this huge battle. Everything's epic. And then there's like a two minute wrap up where everyone is like, oh, I'm glad you saved the day. And David's like, wow, I'm really sorry. I tried to do that. And All Might's <laughs> like, it's okay. And yeah. then the credits roll. <laughs> but like, the, that was it. The <laughs> best part about the end of this movie, though, is after uh, Wolfram gets messed up, there's this shot of Bakugo and Todoroki. And Bakugo is smirking. Like he's like looking up. And he smirks, and then Todoroki like looks over to his left at Bakugo, and as soon as Bakugo sees that Todoroki, Todoroki is looking at him, he goes back to grimacing and growling. And I'm like, man, it's okay to smile. Like, it's not a crime. Um, but the, Bakugo is, he was happy for a split second. He had, he was, there was, <laughs> there was just this glimmer of enjoyment. Uh, that, I hope that, there were air quotes around that happy. I don't I think mean, he can happy, happy. Happy for Bakugo is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a smirk. I mean, it's just a corner. <laughs> the corner of his mouth was turned up just a little bit. And then mm-hmm. as soon as he sees Todoroki sees him smirking, he shuts it right back down. And I was like, I, I really liked that moment. I thought it was a good moment. It seems like Bakugo has this idea of what a hero should look like in the face of danger, and he feels like he has to follow that idea. But I don't really understand why he thinks he has to have this like hard-ass look when his like number one hero, the guy he wanted to be like as a kid, was All Might, who literally has the goofiest smile on his face at all times. <laughs> right, right. So, and it's it's funny too to me that Melissa, in the aftermath of all of this, doesn't run to her dad, but goes running to Midoriya. Yeah, that was kind of funny. I do like the fact that she calls uh, All Might Uncle Might. That was fun. Yeah, that is pretty funny. <laughs> I don't know. Overall, I enjoyed the movie, but it felt like it had something missing. Like yeah. I don't, I couldn't tell you what it was. I just know that at the end of it, I was like, huh, that's it. I felt like it was missing something that the episodes have. Yeah. Like the episodes I don't know what have a certain tenacity to them that I felt like the movie was just kind of lacking. Yeah, I mean, part of it is... One of the things that I talked about on the podcast at length is the episodes, the show, the manga does such a good job of developing villains. Um, and you can't do that really well inside of a movie. So this felt like a villain of the week kind of thing. Um, and they, they, they kind of tried to go around that or work around that a little bit by saying that All for One had a hand in this. Um, but yeah, mm. I was just like, okay, he's a bad guy. Like, we know how this is going to end pretty much just because he's a villain of the week. And the show does such a good job of not making every villain feel that way. And well, yeah. I mean, the show does such a good job of making it seem like there are a lot of villains with a lot of different reasons to be villains. The movie was just like, ah, oh, here's a villain because he works for all for one. Yeah, you and know? he wants I mean, to make money. Right. Whereas in the show, I mean, you've got Hero Killer Stain, who probably has never even heard of uh, All for One, or at least doesn't know he's still around, and just has this idea of like, well, heroes aren't what they used to be. You know, so we see these characters in the show that just have so much depth, and they can't build that in an hour and a half on a movie. Yeah, I, I think that that was one of the things that um, that made the movie feel a little weaker than the episode-to-episode stuff that we usually cover. But that said, the movie was fun to watch, and if that's what it is, then that's what it is. Like, I, I would watch this again. I mean, I, I still enjoyed it. I liked that um, it felt like almost like an espionage thing for a while with the kids, like being all covert um, and having to do things on their own without tutelage or supervision, you know? So again, it's, it's more that um, empowerment of the young ones, the young and and rising heroes. Uh, You know, you get to see Midoriya unleash a little bit more because of the MacGuffin. So there's a lot of really neat stuff to watch that. I mean, I don't think you're going to see that gauntlet in the show and it was cool to see it. So, I mean, just 
just <laughs> that kind of stuff was worth the watch 100%. Yeah, and I think the California scenes at the very beginning were a lot of fun, at least for me. Hannah, do you have any favorite moments from the show? Oh, I already told you. Just those two? Mm-hmm. <laughs> those were my highlights of the film. No, I, I actually enjoyed it overall. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I'm not... I will say this. Out of all of the anime movies I've watched, it's definitely not been my favorite, but it's definitely not been the worst. I mean, I'm used to Dragon Ball Z movies where they just put characters in a universe that's like completely side separate from the main one and just random things happen. <laughs> so, you know, like this is a... It was a well-done movie. Uh, I'm going to give it like a 6 out of 10 if we we're going to rate it. I, I, I enjoyed it enough. I would watch it again for maybe one or two more times, but I think it's going to... It would wear out pretty quick. Yeah, I can get behind that idea that it, that I mean, you, it's not it's not one. I was glad that I rented it. How about that? I think that's yeah. a fair thing to say because uh, I yeah. did think about going and grabbing it and buying it, but I was just like, eh, I'm gonna rent it first. I want to see what this is like, and you know, it's it's a you know maybe a low low B high C grade movie. I mean, nothing fantastic, yes. super fun. And if that's all that it is, I'm cool with that because the show is fun and the show Absolutely. just has a little bit more because of that format has more room to develop and uh, you know, characters good and bad alike. And that is what I like about um, you know, the, the show and the manga itself. And you can't do that in 90 minutes in a movie. No, I totally agree. And, and, you know, we did get some really great callbacks to the show. Uh, there were a few scenes where Bakugo was hurting his arms, doing this full blast because he doesn't have his outfit with him, which was kind of neat. So it's just like what you're saying. Like, they totally built right off of season two. It didn't feel like a movie as much as it felt like a, kind of an intermission between seasons. Yeah. And it was it was fun. It was enjoyable. It was a good interlude. Um, I, yeah. I think you could not watch it and be fine. But, you know, if you don't mind spending a couple bucks on Amazon... It's it's a good watch. It's a good little buffer between season two and season three, and I I can say that with confidence, having not watched anything of season three yet. So, I agree. Now mm-hmm. that being said, I cannot wait to get home and put on episode one of season three. <laughs> yeah, I got some work to do for Nerds on Earth tonight, so I won't get to it yet. But I will get to it soon enough. I'm I'm I am also looking forward to uh, cracking into season three and making the march towards season four, which is coming out soon. Hopefully we think that we might maybe get caught up relatively close to the launch of season four. It'll be close. It just Mm. depends on what our production schedule holds too. So y'all I'm just shaking with emotion. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Well, I will say I'm looking forward to the new movie that's coming out. Maybe it will be uh, like an a player, be like a totally stronger movie in general. We'll see something different. Hopefully. Uh, I'm guessing it probably takes place way after season three or maybe even season four. Yeah, and I'm trying to stay, you know, keep my eyes off the internet for anything that isn't where we're exactly where we are. And it's yeah, it's, me too. It's tricky, but it's been worth it because everything feels like a surprise, <laughs> and I like that. I mean, it's our whole thing has been we're going to watch this show coming into it, no knowledge whatsoever, and I, I'm I'm sticking to that process, and I think that it's it's a good one. Yeah, same here. So for all you listeners that are doing that with us, be very weary of season four trailers because I've heard that it spoils season three. Uh, We had a couple folks in our Discord mention that they had seen the season four trailer and that it immediately spoiled a big event in season three. I don't know what that event is. Uh, I don't even want to poke a stick at it because I I am scared to guess. Uh, So uh, (laughs) I think that will probably leave us off for this week and we'll pick up next week with the first two episodes of season three. Episodes 39 and 40 of My Hero Academia. Here we come. Absolutely. So thank you all for listening another week. And Hannah, thank you for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank yeah, you for I having enjoyed me. It. It was yeah, fun. it was a blast. <laughs> let's, let's do it again for the next movie. Yes. Absolutely. You yes. guys have a great week. See you guys. Bye.
The Almighty Podcast is a production of the Back Patio Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out our others at backpationetwork.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash backpationetwork. And feel free to hit us up on Twitter at at backpationet or at almightypod. We'd love the chance to talk with you.